Welcome back to the next episode of our Avalanche season preview from your folks over at DNVR. We're talking defense for the Avalanche on today's video. You guys know the guys at the top. We'll get to them. I want to start at the bottom here. And at this point, now keep in mind, we're recording this a week before the season, so we'll see how it does pan out. But at this moment, Brad Hunt, you're number seven right now. Yes. I guess if you're playing it safe and you're not fun or imaginative at all. <laughs> yes, it would be Brad Hunt. I mean, for all the reasons why NHL teams make the decisions that they do, it's Brad Hunt. Yeah. I mean, you can try and sell me on Malinsky if you want to. I was going to try and sell you on Nate Corman, but <laughs> that's not going to happen. You don't know? That is fun, but a tougher sell for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean a guy that only has like 70 some odd games in the AHL across the last right. three years? And we yeah. just made the compelling case for the AHL, which I want to give him full credit for doing. But Brad Hunt is evergreen. And that's why I don't think this will age badly at all. No, but what I do mean is there is a stability and a familiarity and a constant in what Brad Hunt brings, even though I don't know that it's fully earned the trust of Jared Bednar to deploy him more than eight minutes in a night. It might be a requirement to save Kale McCarr from breaking too early in the season and I do hope that with consideration for load management in mind something of a priority going into this year Brad Hunt makes the most sense to be the seventh guy because I think they would trust him more than the Malinskis and the Clermans of the world though I think that's fun and should get some consideration at points this season I think unfortunately knowing the reality of injuries it's going to happen Brad Hunt should be the mainstay there to some degree I think on the flip side of that, he is the captain of the Colorado Eagles. And I think even from like a family money pay perspective, being in the American League more consistently is better for Brad Hunt, the person. But he just, especially with young players, he makes the person he plays alongside more comfortable. And I like that quality that Brad Hunt brings. I, I love the person. Uh used to love the player more obviously now he's aging and we all know that um i, I think he's your seventh today uh, i think in an ideal world he's your perfect eight like megan said being in loveland being the captain getting everybody ready there for call-ups he's at that stage in his career but he's such a good pro and he's such a good guy's guy that right now he is the perfect seventh in my book uh because that doesn't mean Malinsky or anybody else on the list that, you know, Middleton or Clark, anyone. Um, they need to play. I don't want them coming in here and sitting on the bench. Uh, I'm not saying that Brad enjoys being, sorry, in the press box, not on the bench, because as a seventh, you're probably not playing, right? Um, I'm not saying Brad enjoys that, but I'm saying Brad can do that and still be not losing anything with his game because of all the experience that he has. So I'd rather have the Malinskis playing in Loveland instead of sitting and not dressing. So I think today Hunt's your perfect seventh and an ideal world is your eighth. We'll see what happens and we'll see if they do go get, like AJ said, uh, you know, through a trade or waiver wire or anything like that to, to go and upgrade a little bit there. But right now I think that's where he's at. And, and to just real quick on that point of he doesn't necessarily need to play. Most of his NHL career has been spent as that. Yep. The, the, the guy, the guy, guy that, yeah, yeah, that guy that will rotate in and might go a month between appearances. You go and look at his career. It's not like he's been this like 
It wasn't like he was an 80 games per year guy who transitioned out of it. over 70 games. He's right? a guy so. that has largely been the fill-in. So when you're talking about somebody that's comfortable in that role, certainly he would get the nod over a Sam Malinsky who you just want to be playing because he doesn't have pro experience, much pro experience yet. That's a guy that you just want to play. And, yep. and, and to Brad, like, because I've seen it in Vegas, like, it's not easy to go 20 games without dressing. Yeah, of and course. Then you're dressing. And then you're playing, and then you're thrown out there in a, in a crucial situation. Always been able to answer the bell. And, and that's to your point, to my point, uh, anybody's point right here. That's why he's a perfect guy to, to be in that spot. Let's, let's move on to some of the guys we're expecting to dress for opening night. With Jack Johnson, the Avs running this back again here. He's been a perfectly serviceable bottom pairing guy now for the Avs for multiple years. He does have the fun fact of playing more than a regular season's mm-hmm. worth last year after coming back to Colorado. <laughs> That's true. Look, it's functional. Is it good enough? No. You go and you look at his numbers, even in isolated numbers in Colorado, and he's still far below what you would want even out of a sixth defenseman. What, what you would want out of a sixth defenseman is what you got out of Eric Johnson last year. Sure. You know, and, and while we look at Eric Johnson and say, oh, he's badly slipped, we're comparing that to when he was the number one guy <laughs> in 2013-14. Like, we saw that as a number six right now. Jack Johnson is still one of the worst number six guys in the league. There are things that he does well. He's really trusted by the coaching staff. He's reliable day in and day out. But in terms of upside downside, there's far more downside than upside. You have he has eighty three game eight games played last year. He had eight points. He had eight points. Less than a point every it's, ten it's games. Almost yeah. an unfathomably low number for a guy that played eighty three games. There's no offense. Brad Hunt had more points in half the game. Right. We just had Brad Hunt's thing up there. It was ten points in like forty some odd games. Those yep. blue line bombs. That's a bomb. <laughs> like 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 Jack Johnson like. Uh, the leadership and the the you know he's a good dude and the, he's well liked and there's there's a lot of like intangible stuff involved with Jack Johnson but he's the most obvious when you walk when they walk into opening night he will be the most replaceable player in that lineup he'll be the easiest guy for them to replace at the trade deadline and probably their number one goal at the trade deadline now if Sam Belinsky eventually takes the job whatever like that's fine then maybe that changes but right now, when you look at it, they don't even have a fourth-line center, and Jack Johnson is still worse than that guy. So it, it's, you know, I'm not meaning to, uh, I, I guess I'm kind of meaning to speed bag him a little bit here, but, like, the drop-off from their one through five to their six is gigantic. It is significant in that he is an active detriment offensively. It's not that he's not a great offensive player. He's a black hole. And defensively, he's still below average. Yeah. So the one thing that he does well for you, he, he does even do that well. Yeah. So for me, this is a championship level roster with one guy on it that should not be an everyday player. If Jack Johnson is your seven, I have no complaints. None. But as an as an every night number six, my answer is no thanks. He's the most replaceable guy on the roster. I think that's a, a reasonable take on the whole. Do we have some positives to take over here? Can he at least help on the penalty kill side or something? Or are we are we taking this bag and yeah. topping it? Put him out there. <laughs> I I don't have much to add. I'm not going to pile on either. I would feel much more comfortable if he was seven instead of six. Okay. I but think it's a universal feeling for the, sure. The penalty kill point is an interesting call out. 
you'd like to see Josh Manson be that guy, but without knowing if Josh Manson will be healthy every game, game in and game yeah. out. Jack Johnson is another player then that should be on the penalty kill, especially with Eric Johnson having left. That does leave that as an open position for Jack Johnson to step up in that way. And sure, they could use the help. And, and for like league minimum, I mean, come yeah, on. right. Like, he's, hey, listen, he's a seven, right? right? You know, ideally. Um, but like you said, and that's why he's there. He's a good person. Yeah. He's a great teammate, right? Guys love to have him at the rink every day. And that goes a long way and that's why he's there and he might be able to help by not even dressing some days and i think that's why he's around you know what i mean but i you know yeah. i agree with you on the assessment of the play it's you know might not be jack johnson from 15 years ago right well so. look here's what i'll give jack johnson he's a known quantity right you at mm -hmm. least know what you're going to get out of him and that's why josh manson might be the biggest question mark on the avs decor this year I think that's easily the case. Is he even going to be other five healthy? guys you're pretty comfortable with? We, he is yet to play a game as the recording of this video. He's yet to play a game since he, he left in the playoffs last year. Mm -hmm. You just have no idea where this guy's health is going to be at coming into and going through this season. There's a possibility that he's perfectly healthy and could be a significant impact player for Colorado. There's a possibility he plays three games and that's it. This is not your average like fifth defenseman on a team because as we've seen when Josh Manson has been healthy and has played in Colorado, he's been pretty good. Yep. It, it was a slow start. There was an adjustment where he was getting accustomed to a lifetime's difference <laughs> uh, because he had an entire career of being told he's a defensive D well, <laughs> and like playing next to Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler types yep. who did all of the puck rushing and all the offensive things. And he wasn't asked to do any of that. And he got to Colorado and they took the chains off, and Josh Manson looked mm -hmm. like a man reborn. And at first, he was, you know, uh, he was Bambi on ice that didn't know what he was doing. He was flailing around a little bit, couldn't pick his spots. You remember him in the cup run. He's a monster. He was great in that cup run. He was great, which is why they, the enthusiasm for bringing him back existed. But the injuries are the number one question. He has not stayed healthy for years now. Yep. He has been plagued by injuries, and it's not one injury recurring. You know, it's not like Ryan Murray with a back injury every single year. It's different parts of his body. And when you're a rugged, physical player like that, you need your body to hold up. It has not for him. So I'm not concerned even a little bit about the player when healthy. I'm concerned about just the availability. If he posts every day and he's in your lineup, he will be a very good player for the Avalanche. If he does not, you have a really big problem. You're right. If you go back, like... I don't know, three, four years. I don't have it in front of me. We can look it up. But he does have like a 40, 50-point season or or even more. He was outstanding in Anaheim that one year, putting mm -hmm. up numbers. I don't remember who was hurt that year, but he had, you know, some power play time. He had some, but he, but he responded well. Yeah. Um, I do believe that Diaz, if, again, knocking on wood, I'm not saying, again, we're not saying he's not going to be here, but... You know, he brings that element that's so different than the other guys. Yep. For me, he's Braden, a bright shot, Braden McNabb. When I say that is, Braden McNabb yeah. for me is one of the best players in the NHL, blue line to blue line. Very wild card, don't know what to expect, man. You better keep your head up because he brings that element to the game. Yeah. He stamps you. Manson's the same way. It, and it sets the tone for games. It sets the tone for uh, divisional rival games for playoffs for all that kind of stuff and he's probably one of the only guys in the abs lineup that can it, do that i'm not saying the rest of the abs d is easy to play against yeah. but manson 
physically oh, we, is yeah. by far the hardest one to play. I against. go back and I and I know Megan's gonna say because Megan's Megan that he's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> and, you know, I get that. You know, but then he's got a split personality because he's very mean on right. the ice. And I tell you, you don't have to look further. I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. His dad was a mean <laughs> sob to play against. I mean, oh my lord, he was tough and. Like, you didn't know what to expect from him. And I think Josh is a little bit of, you know, same mold as his dad in, yep. in that sense. Obviously, I think he's a better all-around player than his dad. Not to say that Dave was a bad player, but Josh is, is a, a, when healthy, a very hot commodity around the National Hockey League. Right. That's the kind of guy that will scoop your heart out to win a game. And you need that. You need that, especially on defense. And he's the nicest guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> It, is is someone like a Josh Manson critical? We've had the conversation a lot this offseason. The Avs need to take minutes away from Kale McCarr and arguably probably need to take minutes away from Devon Taves too. Is this Josh Manson's role this year, assuming he can stay healthy? She doesn't look confident. Well, no, because it feels like he also needs a little bit of that load management to stay and healthy himself. So sure. I'm looking at Byram a little bit just because he's supposed to be healthy. Yeah. And I have no reason to believe otherwise, just to clarify. Um, and so that's where I'm looking for him to take a big step forward because he is, when healthy, expected to be the guy that could eat some of those minutes and very impactfully as well. You want that from Josh Manson as, as well, but just in seeing that he has had some injuries compound now, and because of how physically he likes to play, I'm not looking to Josh Manson to be that guy specifically. I'm looking at Gerard to have a good year. I'm looking at okay. Byram to have a good year. And this is where players like Jack Johnson, if he does continue to be six, if eating minutes is how he contributes in a meaningful way to help the decor and redistribute the load a little bit, those are who I'm looking at more closely. Because the way that Josh Manson likes to play hockey is already going to be really challenging on his body. For sure. It's, it's not an easy task to run into stuff the way he does on a regular basis. Let's move on to Bowen Byram, though, because this is a guy who has yet to really have a healthy season in the NHL. He's coming into this one as ready as he'll ever be. There's been flashes of greatness on both ends of the ice for this guy, but some lack of consistency, particularly on the defensive side. Let's start with this question with Bo. Is he a guy that can play both ends of special teams for Colorado this year? Yes. PP2 and pick your spot on the PK, wherever? Yes. Okay. Then I think Megan's on the right track. That's a lot of minutes that he can help eat up, whether it's taking Taves off a penalty kill or filling in. How many times last year did we see McCarr just dip out of the power play early to, to manage himself a little bit? Yeah. Byram can help fill some of that. The question is... Can Bowen Byram take the next step this year? Can this guy become someone that you're saying, is he a number three? Could he push for the job as a number two? Is he being underplayed on a second pairing? Do you think he can get there, or is that a bridge too far right now? No, I think you're, you're bang on. There's steps to a career, so he has this, you know, First steps are over, right? His baby steps are done. Yep. Now you would think he's more like a teenager, right? Baby <laughs> steps are done. 
Now you're a teenager becoming before becoming an adult, right? So what I mean by that is, yeah, he's got the luxury, and, and some people will think it's bad. It's not bad. He's got Taze and Makar ahead of him. So that is an awesome way to grow as a teenager before becoming an adult. And, and now he's got a different contract. Therefore, he has different shoes to fill, right? And that responsibilities come with that. And then, then he has to show, you know, if you just go with contracts, you know, what he can do once he become, becomes an adult and then gets into those numbers of, you know, those number two defensemen in the league. So I think he's right there. I think he's ready for, this, for, for the challenge of taking that next step. I do believe he's got, again, look at it. He's got a Stanley Cup experience. He's got the luxury of having played the last few years with guys like Taves. And, you know, and he always talks about Cogliano. And so he's got the leaders around him to, to make sure he becomes a better pro than he has been. And those are steps that you take as, as a child, right? Now, like I said, I'm going back to the analogy of the teenager. But now he's going back to those next things here. And I think by talking to him, we had him on the show, right? I think he looks ready. I think he looks excited. Uh, to, to take a next step and if it means minutes like you just talked about on the PK things like that and taking on a bigger role where there's less minutes on Taves and Kane uh, Kane Makar mm -hmm. people have been uh, saying Taves and Kane for a long Kane. time yeah, yeah, man. whatever um, because that guy on on, on whiskey yeah, no. <laughs> no I'm not um, but uh, you know Makar then, then, then job well done you know what I mean I do believe he's capable of that next step Hearing AJ talk about Georgiev and mini contract years, it feels similar for Byram. Mm -hmm. This extension is a period for him to change the conversation from can he overcome the injuries and change it completely to who, if you truth serumed Byram, I think he would tell you that what he wants to, what he's vying to be is a number one, number two guy. Yep. And I don't know what that realistically looks like through Colorado, but this season is the next step to changing that conversation from injuries to that. And it, it comes with taking on more responsibility, and it's an important season then um, to, to change the conversation around him. There is potential here for Byram to uh, shape the Avalanche defense for the foreseeable future. If he can take the next steps, conversations that the Avs have to have about potentially extending Taves, what are you doing with Sam Girard, change a lot if Byram becomes a top three lock type of guy in this defense more than any other player. He has the ability to convince the avalanche to not sign Devon Taves. Yep. Because it, look, if he stays healthy and he has the same season he did last year, he's a 48 point guy, <laughs> which is pretty right. Darn close to what Devon Taves was. Exactly. Yeah. And if we're talking about he's playing in all situations, yep. he's doing all these things for you. I mean, the reason for optimism for Byram is he's so young, but we did see him in the Stanley cup run get better and better and better and better. And by the, by the Stanley Cup final, he was leading the avalanche in even strength time on ice. Yep. They were trusting him more than any other defenseman with minutes. Yep. And he responded. He played very, very, very well in the cup final against Tampa Bay. Like, doesn't get any better than that. At, the, at the, the tip top of the game in a Stanley Cup finals. And that's why those of us in Colorado are huge believers in what Bowen Byram is capable of and, and why not everybody has one. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's keep it rolling here. Last season was kind of a tale of two Sams for Sam <laughs> Girard. He had the first half of the season where 
you know, maybe it was coming off the injury, whatever it was, there were some struggles for Gerard until about December. And then you saw the Sam Gerard that everybody knows and loves in the second half of the year. The offensive production started to roll. His game really took an uptick. How important is it for Colorado to get that good, consistent version of Sam Gerard this year? Really important because uh, there are a lot of teams out there with top pairings. Not a lot of teams with top pairings as good as Colorado's, <laughs> but they're, you know, everybody had the, every, obviously everybody has a technical top pairing, but like there's probably 12 teams out there that have top pairings that you look at and say, yeah, okay, I trust those That's guys. That's legit, yeah. And then after that, God knows. <laughs> you know, it's so hard to find good defensemen and build good defenses. Yep. You know, you look at, I, I know Eric loves the Vegas defense. There's a reason for that because one through six, you look at every single one of those guys and you understand what he brings to the table. You look at Sam Gerrard, and you know what he brings. You know who he is. Mm-hmm. And to add on to what you said about a tale of two Sams last year, but his postseason series against Seattle, he was arguably the most reliable player that they had game to game. Nope. He wasn't their best defender, but the big mistake that he was prone to last year was not as evident in, in the playoffs. He played very well and very consistent, very very steady for them. In the playoffs, if that's the guy that he can be more often than not, 60 games of that, the Avs will be thrilled. He will probably have right in that range, that 30 to 35 point range again. And you, you're you talking about a very good, productive, reliable, steady second pairing defenseman. He has his pitfalls. He's not physical. He will yep. lose battles along the wall and in front of the net, especially in front of the net. But he's also one of the best in the league at breaking pucks out skating them out and passing them out. He's very good at it, which is a key to play in Colorado. That's how they play. That's a giant part of their identity and how they attack. And Sam Gerrard is very good at that. Sam Gerrard is a polarizing guy. I always say five, nine guys always are, but with, with Gerrard, he is a guy that just, he fits. He fits. He definitely fits the ab style. I don't think there's any doubt about that. How are we projecting Gerard's role this year? We kind of already talked about Byron maybe getting some of that power play time. Does Gerard slot in there, or is this a guy that is mostly eating five-on-five minutes for you and has to pick his spots with special teams on either end? Well, because of the presence of Tatar, I think that makes him expendable on the power play, and I think that could then let his talents be helping to redistribute those minutes. Like I talked about in pointing to Byram, I'm also pointing to Gerard to be a part of that. And so he doesn't okay. need to necessarily be on PP2. If he can be reliable and consistent defensively sure. in other situations. If you, I think Sam Gerard is the guy that we all take for granted. You know what I mean? Like, I think we just expect him to be there and it's like you know and he is a serviceable nhl player he is a good player and i think even as a coaching staff i think you just kind of take him for granted um but aj just touched on it if you're going to evaluate sam gerard with his play in front of the net or, or his battles against the wall then then you're looking at it wrong because he's that's where he's weak you know but for most of the game you know the my dad used to always say that's why he loved forsberg you know you love when, you know, a guy like Forza, because you have the puck the whole game. But you don't have to defend. You don't have to 
battle in front of the net. You don't have to. And then, yeah, those things are going to happen in a game. We all know that. But I think more often than not, like you guys just talked about, Sam is first on the puck and the puck's out of your zone. And that that is a huge thing in the National Hockey League, puck possession, right? So this guy, he's the perfect fit for me for the McKinnons and Rantanins and, and the offense that the Avs, have, the Avs have. But yeah, if you're just going to, you know, Say, yeah, he's not strong in front of that. Well, no crap, he's 5'9". I mean, that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? So that's just, it's there. It, it's a known fact that it's going to happen again. If people get frustrated by that, listen, in the first five games, it's going to happen. It, but you can't just get bogged down on that. you got to look at his whole body of work. And I think Megan just said it. Again, what a nice thing that you can do. You can be on the power play. Maybe you're not the best power play guy in the world, but you can still be serviceable. Uh, can you give some five-on-five five minutes? Absolutely you can. And that's why I say this is a guy that we take for granted. I'm a fan of his. Um, I do believe the guys love him. He's a big guy. You know, again, 5'9". He's not big, but I think he's a very well-liked guy in that dressing room. I, I think the good way to put it is, yeah, there are times where Gerard's going to get caught, can't defend the guy net front. And that's no different than the times when Josh Manson gets caught throwing a pizza up the middle of his zone. There you go. <laughs> Every player has their weaknesses. That's right. I would, I would also posit that 32 teams are looking for Sam Gerrard. 100%. Because you're talking about yes. you're, you're talking about a guy. Now, again, we've talked about it. You can't have six Sam Gerrards. Nope. You probably can't have three Sam Gerrards. Agreed. But if you've got one, you've got a good player. Yep. And in, in an era in which smaller defensemen are getting drafted and played more than ever... Teams are looking for guys who can do what Gerard does, which is effectively move pucks, you 30-ish points a season, and play solid defense. Yep. It's not world class. He's good at what he's good can at. He's, he's got a great stick. He's 16 very, to 20 minutes a night. He's very disruptive. He's reliable. He posts. He's not a guy that has injury issues. Like this is this is a guy that you can he is plug and play, drop him onto a second pairing. You pay him $5 million a year for the rest of eternity, and you don't think about it again. Because you don't have to. Exactly. He's a luxury, he's a luxury I mean. you, few you teams just, can yep. afford to have. Yep. That's what I mean. You take him for granted. You know what yeah. I mean? Because he's just that. And he's first on. He's so fast, right? Who's feeding so McKinnon off the rush? Yeah. It's Sam Gerrard. <laughs> and it's it's incredible because you. it is easy to take for granted. Oh, Bowen Byram's going to surpass him. Yeah. Well, that would take Bowen Byram playing really well. Yep. Yeah. Because you look at some of these other teams, you think a team like Vancouver wouldn't kill to have Sam Gerrard on their second <laughs> pairing. You know, teams that are teams that are desperate to try and make a postseason. Yep. And and in Colorado, it's like, well, he's probably like the fourth best defenseman. Yeah, well, your defense is probably pretty good. Yep. It's uh, top defense in the league. Sam Gerrard is part of that, but the top two guys kind of important to that equation. I don't think there's enough superlatives in the world. For the Avs top pairing, starting with Devon Taves. Look, every true all-world player needs a running mate, and it's hard to ask for one better than Devon Taves. He does everything so, so well playing next to Kale McCarr in exactly whatever it needs to be, whether it's jumping up into the play when McCarr is sagging back, whether it's being the defensive monster of not even letting pucks into the defensive zone, let alone defending inside of it. Devon Taves... I don't want to say he's the linchpin to this defense because Kale McCarr's on a whole nother level, but the Avs are significantly worse defense without him. Can he continue to grow in this role, or is this it? Is this Devontae's 
in his perfect immaculate form as the top human. It, for my look, the way that I'll put it, and this is all I'll say about Devon Taves, Batman needed Robin. And Robin was also a superhero. Well said. Love it. Expectations for Devon this year? It's like the conversation with Georgiev. He, he did everything that was asked of him last year. I expect him to do everything that's asked of him again this year. I think the only other thing, and this is not something I'm always privy to seeing, is the leadership role. It's always been a quieter part of what he contributes in the room, you know, in, in rooms that I'm not in. And I think that's maybe where there's growth that I won't even have a front row view of seeing. But other than that, I don't think you can really ask more from Devontae's. He's guy, so smart. Yeah, a guy told me in the press box one time from another team, he goes, Devontae's figured out how to master the simple aspects of the game. And he just ran with it. And that's what he does. He just does everything right. Yep. And less is more, but it's so effective. And I think he's been outstanding. And like you said, like everybody's saying, just sign him. <laughs> <laughs> Find a way. Would have no complaints about that. Keep it rolling because let's face it, you guys know who Devontae's and Kale McCarr are, right? We don't need to tell you. For McCarr, uh, this is a guy who the Norris finalist conversation already feels pedestrian. For this guy the sky is the absolute limit at this point he could truly become is it he's gonna break through to space yes yeah, space is the <laughs> limit <laughs> I, I, I don't fair. think it's i don't think fair. the sky is the limit for kill mccarr because we've not seen kill mccarr in 50 years yep it it's it's beyond comprehension what kale mccarr is capable of I don't know where the peak ends up. This dude could win a heart in his career. It's not off the table. And I'll, every time I talk about him, all I ever have to say is enjoy it. Because I'm 31 years old now, and I've never seen a player like Kale McCarr, and I'm convinced I'll probably never see one again. Well, I'm 32, so I'm just a year older. <laughs> and then um, you talk, it's funny you're talking about the heart because I was driving this morning, early this morning on NHL Network Radio, and then they were saying what we were talking about the other day, like n n nothing against Nathan McKinnon. He, they were saying, if you're going to bet McKinnon for the heart, might as well take McCarr for the heart because the odds are unreal. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Whatever the odds are, I don't know what they would be on bet 365, but... It's like, it's not far-fetched that this guy can win a heart. I mean, again, I'm going to use my line, and I'll pass <laughs> it along to Megan. He's the most valuable player in the NHL. I stick to that, and I truly believe it. He's also the nicest guy in the room. Well, <laughs> Just say that, so. A lot of nice guys in that room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, the, it's a great point. I say that about a lot of people. Only one that likes Slurpees as much as Cam McCarr, though. No, so. it's true, though. He is just such a well-rounded player to have landed in Norris finalist conversations last year and having missed the time that he did. My only concern for him is health. And that is yeah. why I have talked about load management so much in the defenseman side of things. And it is because I want Kim McCarr to have the longest career possible because it is so special what he is and what he means for young defensemen coming up watching him. And I just want him to not change the elements of his game that make him him though, because I do think that he is still a physical player who is sometimes also acting as an extra forward on the ice. He is just so well-rounded and important to the mm -hmm. team that I want for him not to be 
leading the league in average ice time at the end of this year. I want him to be somewhere like number two or number three, if possible. <laughs> Look, the best version of Kale McCarr is so good that you do what you have to do to get that guy. If that means cutting his minutes down, if that means, hey, he needs to take a couple games off here or there, you accept that and you do what you have to do without him so you can get him when you need him. I, He's just the best player in the world, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I, you can have a conversation about McDavid and McKinnon, but Kale McCarr hits different. That's all there is to him. I think if you got an honest opinion from 32 GMs, which defenseman they would take, You'd Number get 32 one, Kale McCars. You would get 32 Kale McCars. Yep. I mean, you might get the one guy that's on acid or something and is like, <laughs> no, give me literally anybody else. And it, it's the wrong answer. Yep. It's the wrong answer. It's Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is the most dominant defenseman in the NHL. What he does offensively is uh, it, it fits in an era in which offensive defensemen have blown up. He's special in that regard, but what he does defensively, yeah, he's not the most physical guy, but he will drop a C4 charge onto your chest if he needs to. Yep. Yeah, ask Eric Stahl about it. Hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jordan Stahl. It was Jordan. Ask Jordan Stahl about it. Happened to him a couple times in the same game. You know, like he, yeah, he needs to do work on his net front battles and things like that, but you consider that he didn't have a net front battle in his entire AJHL (laughs) career. And not very often at UMass because he's had the puck the whole time. Yep. The NHL, he's had to learn how to defend at the NHL level because he finally played in a league where he was not with the puck all the he's time. He's still got the puck a lot of the time. And it's, st- <laughs> and it's still 60%. And I'm not kidding. He's the most dominant defenseman in the league. Yep. I, I, I just don't. There is no overstating how good he is. There, There is no over-exaggeration of the skill level. There just isn't. He's that special, and he gets better every year. And at some point... The peak isn't even there yet. I think that's the scary part. At some point, there will be a best season, but we're never going to know it until it's over Yep. because he's such a special player that you don't want to say this is the best it gets. More is always possible. He could have a 110-point year, and... We would all just be like, that's Gail McCarr. Yep. And he's that good. He really, really is. And the Avs defense is that good. They really are a special group. Even if you believe they might be the second or third best defense as a whole, boy, are they capable of incredible things. The thing about that conversation is, is the reason the Avs are in it is because Devon Taves and Gail McCarr. Yep. It's not because the depth, which is good. But there are teams with better depth. Vegas sure. and Carolina are two that immediately yep. come to mind. Hmm. But neither one. If you asked both of those teams, they would. The best pairing in the world in is McCarr. In things. a yeah. heartbeat, both of those teams would give up three of those defensemen to have Kale McCarr on their team. Yep. In a heartbeat, both GMs would say, yep, I'll take that. Yep. It's who he is. He's special. It's part of the Avs season this year and how this defense 
plays all season long. We're going to wrap up this season preview video for you. We've got more coming, including the big forward conversation in tomorrow's video. So like and subscribe here on YouTube to follow in for all of our season lead up and all of our other content. We appreciate you and we'll see you in the next video.